Welcome to the Ninja Lane Podcast. In this episode, we talk about your PC upgrade strategy, challenges in streaming media, and I freestyle about case mic. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia, and with me today, I have Darren McCain. Hey, Dennis, we've talked a lot about the PCs over the last few podcasts, and i got to ask for the folks that haven't seen it, uh, what kind of PC do you have? What's your machine? Well, my PC right now is an EVGA motherboard with a Core i7-920. And see, I'm running an MSI 6870 as a graphics card and, you know, some miscellaneous hard drives here and there. So that's a fairly new PC. It is. And it's also broken, which is kind of strange. Oh, no. But yeah, I, I just put that together uh, out of some old gear that I had laying around. It was to upgrade from a Q6600 that I was running for two years. Two years. You know, I had a Q6600 for a while, too, so I definitely understand. But what was the catalyst? What made you upgrade? I needed a gaming computer. You know, on that Q6600, it's it's plenty fast. You know, it's quad-core. But uh, it didn't play any of the modern games very well, so I just I needed some more horsepower. And you say you're running on EVGA? It's the EVGA X58LE. It's actually the first X58 I reviewed. Oh, Okay. And I know you've gone back and forth on a couple different video cards, and you've settled in on which ones? Right now, it's the MSI 6870. It's an AMD card. Just one, though. Yeah, it's just one. And, you know, I'm not running Crossfire or nothing like that. Before that, I had a GTX 275, you know, a DirectX 10 card. Well, can't play DirectX 11 on that. So when the patch for Crisis 2 came out, I decided to upgrade the video card. And your RAM? How much RAM? Six gigs. And that's a triple channel. Oh, of course. I mean, that's the architecture. And how much power does it take to power that bad boy? Oh, I don't know. About that much. About that much. Yeah, I don't have the I don't have that fancy kilowatt like it you got. What? Everybody's gotta have one of those. Yeah, it's not me. You upgraded from your Q sixty six hundred. Yeah, I did. Part of that upgrade was the fact that, you know, I had an architecture change. Right. Which meant that I had to get, ditch the processor, I had to ditch the motherboard. And in the process I ditched the video card because I think I was running a, I think it was a seventy nine hundred GT XFX card. <laughs> that probably could also be why I couldn't play games. Well, that's a big part of it. Yeah, but basically, I had to rip all the guts out of the computer and put all the new guts in. So it was really, aside from the hard drive, it was a ground-up build. Sounds like it. Did you do a new case, too, or are you still open? No, I'm still uh, I'm still running that Antec mod, which you can view on the on the website. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's a dated case. I mean, it's really old. But I modded it for better cooling, custom mm-hmm. paint, in and out. But those upgrades are actually what kept me using that case for as long as it as I have. But usually you do a completely new build, don't you? I do. And it's not really that I don't upgrade. In terms of upgrades, it could be adding more RAM or it could be changing the video card right. or going to a RAID system versus not a RAID or something like that. Uh, for me, I keep the systems, you know, because this is my main workstation. I have all my preferences on there. I write my articles on there. That's why I do my image processing. I, I really need a stable system. Right. So I keep them around for a really long time, either until the board blows up or that, you know, I really need to upgrade to get more power. But I believe you take a slightly different approach to your computers, right? So well, yeah. What I, are you running right now? I do. So I've got an i7 with the 2600K also, yep. and I'm on the Asus Evo board. We reviewed not too long ago. Yeah, it's a good board. It is a good board. And I want to see, what am I running? I've got G-Skill memory. I've got 8 gigs of memory. I know it's not as fast as the Patriot stuff that I sometimes run. Yeah, so it's not bad. And then for video, I am running right now the uh, 5870. Just one, right? Just one. Yeah, I'd like to get a second. But, you know, the prices have been so stable on that. I can't get another card 
cheaper than I can upgrade. So it's kind of put me in a, a dead end, if you will. But you were talking about upgrade strategy. My upgrade strategy is a little bit different. I upgrade my machine every year annually, usually in the spring, and I upgrade the core pieces of my machine. So motherboard, processor, RAM, and uh, usually video card, but not always. Yeah. Now, when you upgrade, it's uh, it's just whatever is available, right? Because like you had a Q6600 for a while. I did. I still do, actually. It's yeah. my backup box. And before that, was it actually a Core 2 Duo? Well, see, now I'm a little different than you are. When I'm looking at machines, I tend to run one Intel machine and one AMD machine. And for a while, I even ran one ATI card and one NVIDIA card just so that I had the best of both worlds. Over the last probably two years, I've kind of evolved into running ATI cards completely. And it was more a price decision really than anything else. Well, yeah, the AMD ones are a lot cheaper mm-hmm. than NVIDIA, that's for sure. Yeah, but that's that's a recent change. So I actually had a quad-core uh AMD, the 940 Black Edition was oh, my okay. AMD machine. But I, uh, I'm kind of like a hermit crab, actually, in that I tend to keep my favorite case around. And then I just move my parts into the new new case when I get a new case. Okay. And then when I have new parts, I move them into the same case. So in general, the peripheral parts, like I've got a 1,200-watt Antec power supply and a, another 1,200-watt power supply. So there's no real need to do those. I've always been a huge fan of crucial memory. So it's only been recently that I've started running the G-Skill memory. And again, mm-hmm. it's a price for performance motivated decision really the the upgrades are similar between us you know because we we have the same case we just kind of move hardware around but you're more religious in that every year you do an upgrade exactly and for me it's you know i need a stable system so it'll sit there for you know the one i have until it blows up it'll probably be there so it might be two years yeah my poor wife has kind of gotten used to it Uh, you know i found that if you have really good peripherals, like I have a you know a Blu-ray player and I have a really good case and I have a really good power supply and I have actually a, an SSD that came on board with the last upgrade, <laughs> the, the core components keep your machine fresh. Yeah, that's true. I don't have a lot of issues with my peripheral pieces other than occasionally upgrading my cooling. So when you're doing your upgrades, you do a fresh Windows install and copy all your games back over I do. I do, actually. In fact, uh, a couple of builds back, I migrated to uh, a boot drive. I had uh, uh, Raptors in RAID and then a storage drive. Mm-hmm. And I had one of my Raptors go out, so I uh, replaced them with a faster regular drive. And it wasn't enough faster. So when I had the opportunity to pick up the, uh, it's actually a crucial uh, SSD from the 300 line, even though it's only a 64, I jumped on it. And then I upgraded my storage drive. Um, and I'm actually looking at putting a second one on too. So I have a two terabyte oh, wow. storage drive. In my case, I have a Raptor drive as my primary. Mm-hmm. It's just 150 gig, but all of my storage is on a network server. So, right. you know, I got three terabytes of a storage space that has all the movies and audio clips and all the review stuff and the podcast recordings. All that stuff is stored on that server. So I don't need to have, like in your case, two drives in the same system. Yeah. I just have one. I've looked at doing that, but haven't had much success with finding a system that I like, um, mostly because I'm used to what I have. In yeah. fact, I have two or three external hard drives in the 500 gig plus range that probably have a bunch of old stuff on them that I I never remember to even plug them in. Yeah. You know, I kind of make up for for your system with the the NAS by having a completely separate machine that's a store-bought machine that's sole purpose is to have two hard drives mirrored where we keep like the family pictures and that sort of stuff until I get around to burning them. So we kind of talked about how we have an upgrade strategy. You know, in my case, I kind of almost do a complete 
build, but it's whenever it happens. So right. it might be two years, three years down the road. Well, once had a LAN party in the garage and um, powered off the system, went inside, fell asleep, come back out, it wouldn't boot up again. So Time for a new box. Yeah. Board died, so time for a new build. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Darren goes and upgrades every every year in the spring, just like trees come out and new system. Yeah, as soon as the Christmas prices go down, <laughs> so I'm out there. We'd be kind of curious to know how you guys determine your upgrades. You know, Do you go out and actually buy a whole new PC every year? Or do you, uh, when you have a few extra bucks, do you go out and add a second video card for SLI or Crossfire or upgrade your processor, put something faster in there? Let us know. So Dennis, as you know, I uh, like to do a lot of streaming through my PlayStation 3. Yeah. Uh, I have my system set up at home so that I have a really great Linksys uh, gateway system that's actually a 5 gigahertz uh, wireless bridge. Okay. Normally very good. And the, Norm- You say normally. Normally, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the other night, uh, my wife and I are talking about watching a movie. And the movie we chose, uh, let's call it Tron, uh, was one that we hadn't seen. So uh, I had this rip on my machine, and rather than burn it on a drive, we thought, well, let's just go ahead and watch it across the stream. So I'll go through all the hassle of setting this up using the uh, the media streaming that's built into Windows 7 through the Windows Media Player. Okay. Normally works pretty good. Well, with a codec pack, right? Yeah. All right. So uh, just so I know, the streaming media, so you're streaming it from your PC to your PlayStation so you can play it on your TV. On my TV, that's correct. Okay, good. Because my PlayStation is my only media player that's hooked to my TV. Everything else I do through streaming. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, normally that works out, and I've got a Blu-ray player on my machine upstairs, so everything works out really groovy. Mm -hmm. And you can rip the movies and take them with you in a much smaller format. So, yeah, it's kind of like the digital copy thing. Well, yeah, and you got to remember that I buy everything on Blu-ray now because I'm kind of snobby. So yeah. to watch it on these portable devices like my PSPs or whatever, I end up ripping it. But that's another story. Okay. So it. anyway, I've got all this set up, and i got some popcorn popped, and the wife has settled in, and the whole nine yards, and we're ready for an evening of movie watching. And we fire up this movie, Tron, and we're watching it. We get maybe, I don't know, ten minutes in it, and we get this uh, pop-up on the screen. It says uh, basically that our uh, our video is in an unrecognized format. Uh oh. So I'm like, huh. Well, what's wrong with my streaming system here? Mm-hmm. So I go upstairs and I dink around with it, and the movie seems to be playing fine upstairs. Yeah. And I play it up the disc to make sure that the rip is clean and everything looks good. Long story short, everything looks fine. So I go back downstairs and I hit OK on the little message. And we settle back in and start to watch the movie, and uh, maybe two minutes later, it pops up again. Is this pop-up coming from the PlayStation, then? It is coming from the PlayStation. At this point, I click OK, two minutes, OK, two minutes, and I get the picture. Yeah. Right? yeah Something's kinda... wrong with the rip. Of course, I go and I try another older rip that I had laying around, some Disney flick that we had for the kids, yep. and it's playing fine. So I'm like, huh, I don't get it. So we boycott the movie, and we end up watching something else. I, I think it's The Mechanic, I don't know, the one that just came out with uh, Jason Statham. We go back later to see what's going on with the movie and discover that it's protected by this new Cinevia protection. Okay. So have you heard of Cinevia? I have not heard of Cinevia, but I am familiar with some of the protection that's on discs nowadays. And the problem with adding a new protection scheme to a disk is that you have to have a flashed firmware to be able to understand it. 
Ah, I'm so glad you see where this is going. Yeah. So I have the PlayStation 3, which I love. I'm a huge PlayStation 3 fan, and this is my brand new fancy one. But as you know, to play the new games, especially online and to download content, you have to have the most recent firmware. Yep. So you download the firmware, and if you're like me, you take a glance at what's in the firmware, and then you say, okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I do more than most people who just click okay. Well, we'd hope so, at least. Uh This Cinevia software protection is a dastardly evil new copy protection that defeats all forms of changing your media. I'm trying to think of what's a good example. It almost reminds me of the old original DivX copy protection. Oh, right. Okay. So what the Cinevia does is it embeds an audio watermark in, I think, both the audio and the video channel. Uh When you're playing the movie... It can do one of two things. One is it'll let you get a little bit into the movie like we did. And then it says, ha, sucker, you're done. (laughs) Kind of like a preview or a teaser. Yep. And the theory behind this is if you don't own the media, then you've seen enough maybe to get interested. And then you want to watch the rest of the movie, so you're forced to buy it. Uh And the second thing that it will do is it will say, oh, well, we'll let you watch the rest of the movie, but you can't have audio. Sorry. (laughs) And defeats the audio channel. Mm-hmm. So in reading about this, it sounds like there are several different ways that they can embed this benchmark and that you don't even have to be connected to the Internet. If your system, like my PlayStation 3, has that programming in the firmware, the watermark tells the firmware what the copy protection scheme is on the fly, what order the frequencies are in, how long, what channels to look for them in, and what order, mm-hmm. so that it can be always different. Wow. Okay. So pretty clever. But the moral of the story is that I never agreed to have this particular software installed. In fact, this was a silent upgrade that was put in a general Kodak upgrade of some sort, and it wasn't announced as Cinevia copy protection. Yeah, and you kind of have to have that because if you have, if you're going to play the disc, mm-hmm. you have to be able to decode the disc, and they'll say, okay, well you're on your disc. It'll go and decode the whole thing, and That's then it'll exactly play just fine. right. Exactly. So you're kind of forced to upgrade, and. The reason that I'm so mad at this thing is it turns out that I have two or three movies that have the Cinevia on them already. Like Social Network is one, Losers is one. When you try to stream these things, you're actually modifying the content using your PS3 streamer, in my case, the the audio codec that's in my Windows 7 uh, media player. When the copy protection that's in Cinevia checks the audio codec to see if it's the correct length or bandwidth or whatever it's never going to be even if you own the media you can no longer stream it and you can no longer back it up because if you change the format like i do every time i add stuff to my media server it treats it like uh, pirated software yeah well you kind of have to change the format otherwise you're saving 30 some gigs to your drive every day yeah it's a no-brainer and so many of us modify our format i have iPod video, I have the Transformers, I have the PSPs, I have a DivX-empowered video player I use for my kids in the car, we have the laptops. I mean, so many different things that I change the media on, I can't even back up my own video. And this is the first time in really a long time that I've seen a protection scheme that didn't have a workaround and that defeated me so ultimately up front that I wasn't even able to watch my movie across the server. You know, I've noticed a very similar thing when I'm doing DVR off of uh, the Dish Network. Oh. You know, on some of the new movies that come out, you know, I record like a, a golf game or something like that. Right. At about 30 minutes in, you'll get, actually get this where it will um, it'll cut everything. It'll cut the video and it'll cut the audio. And it right. actually, the only reason I notice it is because my amplifier, or my receiver in this case, will actually click. And it'll kind of change modes. 
it'll go and change modes into like stereo sound or something like that and then go back into surround sound. And that's actually a copy protection that if I had taken the drive out of my DVR and copied the movie off, right. you know, and I have to re-encode it, then it actually breaks it. So at that 30-minute oh, mark, so it, drops frustrating. The, it drops the video. It was me researching why that click was there that I found out about this. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just kind of a, you know, they're even doing the copy protection over, over the air for people that are recording stuff off a of DVR. Well, it's my own fault because I get these movies... You know, you red box them or whatever, and I rip them and don't always get to them and try to watch them later. And well, bam, it's screwed. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's one of the reasons to buy the the disc that has the digital copy. Mm-hmm. But the problem with the digital copy is it is a low res copy. Oh, yeah. It doesn't have surround sound, obviously, and it's going to be, it's not going to be in HD. It's going to be in 480p or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can get higher quality if you rip the actual real disc, but then you can't do anything with it, obviously. Now with then just copy protection. Yeah, well, and you can control the quality and even the audio. You know, as I use the new Nero, and it has all kinds of features for that that let me compress it specifically for my device, Yeah, um, which is really good. You know, and we have started buying, now that we're converting all of our older Disney DVDs onto Blu-ray, the ones that have the Blu-ray and the DVD and the digital copy so that we're covered all the way around. But, you know, it's an extra 10 bucks or 15 bucks on something that I already own. Yeah. So it's just so much faster to burn and, and rip all that stuff into one common location where we can reach it from the server. And I can't be the only one. So anyway, I just thought I'd share my experience and let you guys know how frustrating the copy protection is. I know the obvious thing is to say, oh, well, it's Sony because everyone likes to bag on Sony these days. But I am a huge Sony fan and probably will continue to be. The arms race has started. This time the copy protection is ahead of the hackers and we'll see how long it lasts. So it's kind of a funny story. When I moved into the new house, which is Ninja Lane Labs Building 1. Building 2 is actually the garage, by the way. Oh, Building 2. I wanted to do a case mod. It had been several years since I had done any case modding. As some people that have actually trolled around NinjaLane.com, you'll kind of notice that the roots of the site is actually around case modding. The review aspect started actually probably about a year afterwards. It had been several years since I had done a mod, and I wanted to build a case that had an integrated water cooler, DIY water cooler. Oh, okay. You see, I bought this water cooling kit. I never used it. It was for a P4 system and whatnot. You know, P4 is actually quite old by the time I did this mod. This is, what, three years ago, four years ago, or something like that? Okay. So I pulled out an old case that I had just sitting in the garage and the water cooler and started templating everything. Well, my good buddy Justin had come over. He was actually going to help. And we had a case of beer <laughs> and a couple of pints. And then at one point we had to reload, but got everything templatized. And around halfway through the six pack, we started dremeling. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The nice thing about dremeling in, in a case mod is getting the picture of the sparks flying off the cutting wheel. Right. You know, I use the, the, the large reinforced discs on my dremel tool, and that's what I use to, to make all my cuts. So you're just rock cutting. Yeah, it's just rock cutting. I mean, I'm somewhat of an artist by trade. You know, I can sit down and actually dremel out a uh, Playboy bunny head in an afternoon and actually make it look like the logo. So much, in fact, that I get a cease and desist order telling me to remove the cutting from the side of the case <laughs> and to remove the article from the website. But that, that's another story. That's actually another story, which <laughs> you can also look up at ninjalane.com if you know where to go. The first cut of the evening was to make room for the water cooler within the frame. So... Take the, the drill, drill out all the rivets, pull off the panels, 
And at that point, you know, you can test fit the panels into place, as you've probably done before. Right. And you can kind of pre-mount where you want to have the radiator and have the fan flipped over and stuff like that. And I noticed I had to trim some of the frame away. Taking the Dremel tool, zip, zip. And once we had enough room for that, started mapping out where I wanted to have the opening for the radiator. Okay. Well, this particular radiator, it was from Invitech, you know, as a German company. And the way that they set up the fan mounts, there was a bracket that wrapped around the radiator and it had the screw holes on top. And then, you know, the screw would go through the fan and actually drill not into the radiator, but into this bracket that was over top of it. Right. Well, it made a nice octagon shape and I wanted to cut out this octagon shape so it matched that cutout. So I didn't have to mod it at all. Well, at this point, we were probably through our six pack. Yeah, we started on the second ones already. I started cutting. As you know, when you're, when you're mopping out where you want to have something, you have rough lines and then you have actually the cut lines. Right. Well, I used two markers for my, for my cuts. I use a thin marker for my rough lines and I use a thick marker for my cut lines. Well, I don't think I use the thick marker or something. The two lines kind of blurred together. That could have been <laughs> part of the inebriation or it could have been part of just me not paying attention, which I want to say it's a second. You can say it differently, but I'm <laughs> going to say it's a second. So we started cutting. I get down one side, and then I start cutting the other side, and I start cutting the third side. And at that point, the, the wife comes in to check on us, and <laughs> she was kind of a little concerned. At that point, Justin had already gotten um, several pictures of me throwing sparks everywhere. It's kind of making a mess, and it was really loud in the house and whatnot. So <laughs> we decided to stop the actual cutting and then start working on planning where different fans were going to go and where to mount the pump and and stuff like that. And also, at that point, we had to go and reload. So we uh, wandered down to the local store and actually got some more uh, some more beverage and came back. And this was before Pandora, by the way. So we were uh, ah. logged into AOL to get some streaming Metallica nice. to go along with the evening. And by the end of the evening, things got a little hazy. We didn't finish any more of the case mod. And I think we had gone through about four albums on Metallica. <laughs> At that, that point, it's like, okay, well, we got to pass out. Justin was in no condition to drive, so he crashed on the couch until about 5 in the morning. And long story short, which is probably too late at this point, uh, <laughs> the case mod turned into a repair of a mod. Mm. So I had a, an intention of creating this awesome, ornate case. But when I woke up, I noticed, that, well, I had actually cut into the part that was supposed to be retained and actually make an angle. So I had to redesign the way I was going to do the case mod and make the opening a square. And at that point, I had to redesign how the brackets <laughs> attached to the radiator so that I could attach the fan. I didn't want to cut the bracket, so I actually flipped it over so the, the angles went out. And then I had to build a template out of some, uh, some Lexan that would mount to the radiator brackets, and then the fan would mount to the Lexan. That solved the problem. It uh, allowed me to remove the fan if I needed to to clean it. It worked great. It took probably six months to finish the mod, which is really sad since you know <laughs> I, I did so much damage that first night. Work got in the way and the site got in the way, so it just kind of got tabled. And then I came back and actually finished the mod over uh, a couple of weekends once I started dedicating myself. Went sprayed it, painted it, cut some fan holes in there, built the bracket I needed to for the radiator fan, and built a server inside this case that ran as my file server for a good year and a half before I went and upgraded to a bigger system with the RAID 5 and which is actually the media server for my network right now. So there you have it a mod that was modded and unmodded and had to be remodded
more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes. If you have any questions, drop by the forums or email us at podcast at ninjalane.com. Stay up to date and on the latest at Ninja Lane by subscribing to our RSS, now available on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter or join us on Facebook. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2011. Thanks for listening.